welcome to the Late United We Stand podcast. I'm still in Perth before I head off to Singapore for Manchester United against Inter Milan on Saturday. I've just watched United beat Leeds United uh, 4-0. I thought there was a lot to be encouraged about in that game. Um, the former Marcus Rashford who scored again. Mason Greenwood getting his first United goal. Leeds came out to play, to be fair to him. They're probably jet-lagged. They've only been in the country 36 hours. And not pretending that Manchester United don't have any issues. But I thought it was decent. And with Ash Westwood, Ash has done a couple of pieces for United We Stand, which were very well received. He was... Well, he's, he's from Greater Manchester. He was an FA Youth Cup winner with Manchester United in 1995. And then he played in England's top five divisions. Uh, Bradford City in the Premier League bit of a cult hero at Sheffield Wednesday bit of a reputation for being a hard defender playing alongside people like Sean Dyche at Northampton Town and then he went to India, I went to see him in India one of the best pieces I wrote uh, when he took uh, Bangalore to the Indian title a couple of times and he's also coached in Malaysia and he's living in Australia now He's living in Sydney. I see a decent coach, someone who did his pro licence with several Manchester United players and someone who's tactically astute, someone I like listening to when he talks about football and systems, someone I feel I can learn stuff from. And he was good enough to let me in his dressing room when I came to India, which is the sacred place. He also had a cow walking through his office in India, talking about sacred beings. Ash, welcome to United We Stand. Have you enjoyed covering these first two games? Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. You know, not only the games, uh, you know, Man United are a family club and they always look after ex-players, if you like, and they open up the doors and the boss, uh, Ollie, obviously was uh, fantastic with me. It allowed me to watch training from a, a great position on the side of the training pitch. It was open, had a few chats. And, uh, you know, you're getting inside the camp, seeing how things are done here, seeing the players work first-hand closely, and, uh, and then obviously commentating on the football. And because there's a link with training, there's also a couple of ex-members of, of staff, of Paul Brand, the analyst from uh, was Blackburn Rovers when I was there as a coach. So you were assistant manager at Blackburn Rovers? Yeah, I was assistant to Michael Appleton, obviously another Man United connection. So you're... Head of analysis is now the head of analysis at Manchester United. Yep, that's correct. And uh, he's one of the best in the business, to be honest. And what does he do? Yeah, just breaks down teams, oppositions, obviously their own tactics as well. Puts everything into into files, cuts everything up, so it's on hand if if any member of the coaching staff requests it. And obviously as a as an input as well to what what he feels is his opinion to how the opposition are going to play and what they played in the last game and, and breaks them down really um, he's been doing it for, for many years now and he's good actually uh, he's having a laugh with the, with the gaffer he's just saying oh, he's had a good trainer hasn't he and we was having a laugh of course because I trained him joking like tongue in cheek but did work quite closely with him at Blackburn so it's nice to see him in a position and, and Kieran McKenna the coach that obviously came into the club as under 23 coach and Jose Mourinho appointed him up and then Ollie has, has seen it, his Attributes, and he was on my English pro license as well. So, so a few connections, and and then you can go way back to, to even the cameraman John was the cameraman photographer when when I was this uh, as a kid. So nice to see old faces as well. So in terms of analysis, Bandy will be watching 
Chelsea or Manchester United's forthcoming opponents. Yeah. And, and he'll be analysing the patterns of play and just building up as much information as possible to present that to Ollie Gunner, to Kieran, to, to Michael, to Mike, Michael Carrick, Michael Phelan. Uh, and they'll be watching them pre-season, looking at how they've changed since the teams last met in, in April and working out ways to defeat Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, the first thing is what they try and do is, you know, get a bit of consistency on what Chelsea are trying to be do, trying to read what they're going to play, if you like. So if it's a 4-3-3, they'll, they'll try and get an opinion of what to expect and, and just educate everybody within the coaching staff of what to expect. Obviously, the coaching staff will also work at it and, and watch the videos themselves and make their own ideas and collectively they'll start to develop a picture on, on what's coming. Um, and then, obviously, then the gaffer and his coaches will devise a plan on how to beat it. So the analyst's job is to, to give an overall picture and then the coaches then start to piece a plan together in their mind and that will lead training throughout the week, if you like. On what we're going to work on to, to beat the opposition, so it's a, you know, it's called a team and it's a team for a reason because everyone plays their roles. You mentioned Kieran McKenna and said that you, you studied with him when you were doing your, your pro license. He's someone with an exceptionally important role within Manchester United, but also the assistants don't tend to do much media. Their profile's quite low, deliberately or not. Uh, I'm planning to speak to a couple of the coaches on, on this trip, but I know that Ollie, um, Josie Mourinho. He didn't want, even want the names of his assistant on the club website until the club said to him, well, wait a minute, you know, it's minimal information, we've got to put that sort of stuff out there. But it was all about him. He was a leader and this was his way of working. It wasn't, just a, it wasn't necessarily a, a, an ego thing, uh, but Kieran is obviously impressed. He's still quite young. Tell me about him. Yeah, I think uh, we actually had a... Nice chat with the gaffer yesterday, and he was mentioning how he's got a great blend of coaches. Uh, obviously, Mike feeling experienced, Kieran McKenna, a good young coach, but didn't have a, a massive playing career, but has got involved. He was at Tottenham for I think maybe ten years coaching, if you like, uh, through all through all the different ranks at Tottenham within the academy and the 23s, and then he's come over to Manchester United. So although he's I think he's 32 or 33. You know, he started coaching at 23 because he, his career ended and, and he couldn't go on to, through injury, I think. So he, he's young but experienced, if you like, in, in his role at, at development and developing younger players. And you see already the, the kind of players that are starting to come through the system, uh, like younger players. Um, and then he obviously has got Michael Carrick, who's done absolutely everything as a player and, and automatically gains the players' respect because of what he did from a playing wise and then obviously the, the man himself the, the boss so he's, he's happy with his, his coaching team there may be a few I've missed off um, you know which apologise if I've missed anybody off but these are just the ones that I know really obviously Mike Phelan from when I was here originally as a player for a short spell he, he was here um, so they're the ones that I speak about so he's got a great team behind him and I think he's the first to to say that um, and he likes working in a team and everyone has the roles and responsibilities and it's brought all together by the manager which is all the ingredients for a, a successful team Which players have impressed you in, of the games in Australia or is it not about individuals we've seen Marcus Rashford finish two very good goals we've seen Mason Greenwood get his first goal for Manchester United he's a young lad who's hugely talented 
or is it more about the systems, the way that the team changes, how it counter-attacks, the transitions, the stuff that the manager's working on in training? I think from outside of looking in at the games and, and commenting on what I see from you know, a, a good high position in the ground, tactically wise, um, you know, you can see that all this trying to develop this 4-2-3-1, but very fluid 4-2-3-1, lots of rotations in midfield, lots of fluency across the front three, people interchanging, full-backs bombing on. Um, you know, that's the basis. He's, he's, he's working on winning the ball back quickly once they lose it. Certainly in the attacking third as well, winning it high up the pitch, transition moments and, and springing those into quick counter-attacks, which we've seen tonight against Leeds. Uh, Player-wise, Dan James has impressed with his pace and his attitude more than anything and his desire. Uh, I've liked Gomez. I think he's got a real nice way of him, real tight control, but moves fast with the ball, but with balls under, always underneath his shoulders, so he, he can manipulate it in many ways, go left or right and change direction very quickly. You know, we're talking about old players that have been here. If I'm being honest, Pogba's impressed as well. Uh, you know, seeing him up close makes you appreciate what a top world-class player he is. And, and then there's many others with, with potential. Um, so it's starting to look good. And you've obviously mentioned Rashford, two goals in two games. One fantastic finish, instinctive. And the second one, he, he works his own goal, got it in a 1v1 area, a little bit of trickery, feints, cuts, cuts the ball onto his left foot and then opens his shoulders and actually finishes it with his right. Uh, showing good composure, so that'll be a big plus for for Oli. He's you know he's going with at the minute with Rashford down the middle, and he scored two in two. Is Rashford a number nine? I think uh, I think he's better centrally, um, but maybe sometimes he may be better if he works with a pair as a centre striker. But this is why they're working on on you know everybody interchanging positions. If Rashford makes a run wide, then. You'll see uh, whoever's playing at the time was Greenwood tonight. Greenwood would then go into the centre, or at times Dan James would come into the centre and the fullbacks can it. So lots of movement and, and different options to attack rather than a rigid 4 2 3 1. Uh, everybody's aware that there's, there's plenty of movement, um, and at any you know, Rashford could be out on the left, and James might be out on the right, and Greenwood might be in the middle, and, and all those three are, are combining in all different kinds of movement patterns, which will be pleasing to see for the coaching staff. I've just spoken to Andreas Pereira. I feel like I'm, I'm writing the same sort of story about him every pre-season. He does well pre-season. He expects lift-off at the start of the season. It used to be that he went out on loan to Granada, to Valencia. He's 23 now. It's, it's got to happen now for him, if it's going to happen for him at Manchester United. The manager likes him a lot. He's clearly talented. He's yeah. got lots of attributes to his game. What's your take on... Andreas. Yeah, I've been impressed with him. Obviously, didn't mention him before, but now you've mentioned him, he was one of the ones that has impressed me. Uh, he's been getting forward into the box from midfield. Obviously, we've only seen him in two 45-minute occasions, but he looks like he can get forward and, and provide that extra run, that extra threat from midfield and get in the box, which is what you need. You need numbers in the box, obviously, if you're going to score goals. He showed a great range of passing, uh, You know, a couple of diagonals that he's pinpointed and pinged with, with good ability. Um, and he's, he's, he's got a bit about him character-wise as well. He's got a bit of uh, aggression. You know, he likes to win the ball back. He's not scared of putting his foot in. So on, on early glimpses for me of what I've seen over the pre-season so far, um, he's got everything really um, to, to be a good player. So maybe he's the man that can step up. And There's always somebody as a coach that, that comes to the fray that you maybe don't expect or just, just responds well to your methods better than 
than some of the others, and he, and he looks at straight away that he's, he's responding to the training, he's responding to what's going on in and around the camp, and uh, could hopefully be set up for a very, very good season. Manchester United have got six central defenders. They're trying to buy another one. Seven's clearly far too many. Uh, so one or two would have to go. If you were Manchester United manager and you're, you're a professional football manager, which two centre-halves would you start against Chelsea? I think Lindelof impressed a bit tonight, if I'm being honest. Uh, with his leadership skills, I could see, which isn't always apparent on TV. You know, many times his arms were were pointing and he was communicating and he was one who was squeezing the back four up, driving the back four, so he looked like he had a, a few uh, a bits of leadership there. He seemed to to try and control and demand where that back line was set. Which with... is good to see on the field because he was at the press conference yesterday and I'll be honest, I was disappointed with him. That's for me to say rather than you because you were working for MUTV. Uh, but I was disappointed with him. I thought it was pretty boring. Yeah, now, I think, I think uh, Scandinavian... You know, Swedish players have a, a soft voice when they speak, so you know maybe tonal that he can come across maybe like that. But you know, I think he, he answered the questions fairly well. He, he did what he needed to do. But I definitely seen some uh, some leadership skills in him tonight. I seen, I seen some aggression in his voice, the way he was squeezing that back four up, the way he was pointing around and and trying to control Baye, who was playing alongside him, and and Rojo on the left hand side as, as a fullback. So uh, that was encouraging to see. Um, and you need you need a communicator in your back four for sure, and, and he looks like he is one. So are you going to have him alongside? Uh, two and Zabi, obviously, potentially has got attributes um, to, to be the one that could come and step up. I've seen him in the first game, and he looks like he's he's got, like I mentioned, good attributes. What? Um, Which ones? Obviously, he's pacey, strong. strong. Yeah. He's got good physicality. Yeah. He's got good athleticism in, in his in his makeup. And obviously he's, he's hungry and, he, and he's a winner. You can see he's a winner, so that, that's encouraging. Um, so maybe playing alongside someone like Lindelof can, can pull and push him about. You know, Jones is, 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 is Jones. He's, he's done well. You always get 100% from him. Um, you know, Smalling has, has trained well. You know, he's shown a great attitude for me when it's just the bits I've watched him training. I'm not trying to speak like I've um, watched every single bit, but I'm just going on what I've seen which is, uh, has been little bits, but you can make impressions from, from first looks. So the, the, there's, there's a few there that are developing. Rojo can play centre-half, but Ali wants to improve. He wants to improve the squad all the time, so he's, they're, they're looking at maybe bringing one in, and they will bring people in if they think it's going to improve that first 11, and, and signings always improve it if they're good ones anyway, because everyone picks the game up because they want to get in that team. So Aaron Wan-Bissaka is one signing told that he's considered to be ready to play for the Manchester United's first team now you've seen him in a couple of games would you would you go along with that yeah he's definitely uh, an improvement in the right back slot you know it, it brings the best out of Dalot as well because he's got to pick his game up because he knows one Bazaka's there to, to play gets forward really well attacks can drive down the outside if they do play with a three and the, and the three drives inside um, and then obviously you can defend in 1v1 situations we already know his stats from last season at Crystal Palace winning a lot of tackles nicknamed the Spider for his long legs and getting his leg in and he, he's illustrated this season you know the two games I've seen him in the 245 minutes I think there's been four or five 1v1 duels that he's won every one so um, that's good obviously with him being so attacking you know he needs to get back and, and fill those holes as quick as possible in those transition moments but 
certainly uh, is a good sign. I think everyone's well aware of that. What would you have done if Oli would have said to you, I need you to play Ash against Leeds? He used to play for Bradford. I know there's a bit of an edge there. You could handle yourself as a centre-half. You couldn't let him down, could you? I'd play, mate, no, no danger. How old are you now? Uh, 42. You reckon you could have done a job? Um, yeah, you always do, don't you? You're always thinking you're quicker than what you are, you're, you're better than what you are. You never let it go. Um, you know, ask me that in 10 years' time, I'll still say the same thing. Didn't but... you play for Portsmouth when you'd stopped playing? When Portsmouth were, like, sinking and having all the problems? There was two things with Portsmouth, to be honest. There was one we went on pre-season against Brighton, and Gus Poyer was manager. And we were getting battered at half-time. And I was did the warm-up, so you stripped anyway with your boots and stuff. Obviously not got the shirt, but it's only pre-season. It was like a closed, behind-doors friendly. And uh, we were getting hammered. We had a team of kids, because supports were in administration. We hadn't signed everyone properly. And Appy's gone, listen, you want to go on at half-time? This is terrible. As we're building up to us, I said, yeah, just stick us on. Within 60 seconds, I've two-footed someone <laughs> by kind of accident, if you like, with the old red mist going. And then I've just stood up and put my hands in the air. I look over Appy's got his heads in the hand and it started a bit of a mini riot in a pre-season game a bit like any Ashley Young one tonight so you're his assistant and, he, and <laughs> your manager's just got his head in his hands thinking what gone. are you doing I've gone on there to improve it not to get sent off I should have been sent off to be honest but I didn't because it was pre-season and all of a sudden I've realised what are you doing mate calm down um, so that was one and then I didn't do any pre-season training first game of the season comes it's the cup match before the league game and we have everyone's not signed so league cup to, league yeah. cup so we had to field a a team of development squad, so I've gone in as an experienced head. And I was absolutely on fire, to be honest. I was playing brilliant. 34 minutes in, I jumps up, lands funny and breaks my ankle. And that was the end of my uh, playing career. But I uh, pretended it weren't broken, limped around, and I was in training the next morning, taking the session. And Really? And, yeah. and you've broken it? Yeah, never put it in plaster and just cracked on. And uh, That's why I, I don't really play anymore, because I know that that wouldn't be the best. I reckon it might be a good article, footballers' last matches, where you just talk through the... Because careers stop for many reasons. You run out of contracts, you break your ankle. Yeah, well, that was... The uh, season ends naturally. There's an actual end to a season. That was certainly my last game. Um, and since then, I thought, I'm not getting involved anymore because you don't want to be doing uh, something even more serious. As you get older, you, like I say, you your mind still thinks you can do stuff and the competitors ever take takes over and you start putting yourself in positions where you're going to get injured. What about United's goalkeepers? You've played as a central defender. Obviously, in front of goalkeepers, it's, it's very important for the man behind you. How do you rate David De Gea? And we can talk about some of the others, but De Gea's going to be number one. Yeah, I mean, goalkeepers always improve with age. You know, he had fantastic attributes when he arrived. He's proven that he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, for sure. You know, if you're naming five of the best goalies in the world, I'm pretty sure everybody would name him in it. So, they're hard to find. You know, it's a specialised position. And because they might make one or two mistakes, um, but, you know, which goalkeepers do, you've got to realise that, you know, if, if keepers like that aren't at the club, then uh, you've got to find another one. And, and you can't find them. Top five in the world. And if you do try and find them, they cost you six to 70 million quid. We went to watch the Maradona film yesterday. I thought it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, one of those films that grips you, gets you involved, makes you understand his life. Um, and, and see what happened first hand. Some fantastic footage. And, uh, you know, really got emotional about it, to be honest, just to, to, to hear and see his story. It was uh, a great film. 
What are your favourite bits in it? What about the bit where he's got a naked woman in his in his bedroom wearing suspenders with her breasts hanging out? And right. he just looks at it and goes, what a beast. <laughs> just the juvenile sense of humour in me. Yeah. Even if he's privately thinking that, to see it on national TV. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, to be fair, the, the, fo- the, the best bits for me was just seeing the real footage of, of the situations he was in, whether that's going through an airport, whether that's trying to get out of his house. It's madness, wasn't it? Oh, it was unbelievable. And, no and the, human not, could live like not, that. And the pressure that he's under um, in, in them situations are, are frightening. And you see it escalating and you see the pressure cooker. And to then just keep like, all together and keep churning out the performances he did, just tells you a bit about the mental strength and the character of him. And then he starts taking drugs, he starts using hookers, he's still winning and you can see his face. Because he was a, he was a quite a decent looking lad when he was young, his face just starts to blow outwards. And then he's still winning and there's a really sad bit when he starts crying on, on TV, saying, I've not got the knockout blow anymore. You can see he knows his own, his own decline. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we all age and obviously he lived... He worked hard, he, he played even harder, um, and it caught up with him. Um, but he's, he's still here, which some players go down that, that wrong road and, and it, it comes to an end, but he certainly had a, a fantastic career in it in a, in a time where it was a real tough era to be a player like him. You get kicked from every single angle possible because it's the only way to try and stop him. In and stadiums keep... where the fans are singing, you've got cholera, you tramps, you peasants from the south, <laughs> 70,000 people just on his case. Incredible. It's certainly like the mental toughness and just keeps performing and keeps scoring and, and winning and changing teams. You know, they, they're nearly relegated when he signs and they end up champions two years on the spin. just shows you what, you know, a club that should never have been, like Napoli, in an area where Inter Milan's, AC Milan's and Juventus dominate and he turned that club around because he was so good. Where's the most intimidating place you played? Um, I've coached at Millwall in the FA Cup. It was pretty intimidating with uh, with Blackburn. FA Cup quarter-final or something. Uh, replay we had. That was pretty intimidating. You and Happy? Yeah. And me. the fans just on your back? Yeah, incredible. Abusing you? Yeah. Saying what to you? Yeah. Turf Moor, obviously, when you're at Blackburn, can be very intimidating. So you took Blackburn to Burnley? Blackburn, no, we had a home game against Burnley. Yeah. Uh, but I've actually been in a crowd once when I wasn't a, a Blackpool member of staff at Burnley Black, Blackburn. So it's uh, that can be pretty intimidating. And I've played in the Sheffield Derbies, obviously, Bramall Lane, Sheffield United, and Sheffield Wednesday. They, they're pretty intimidating. Are you ever scared or not really? It's always within a boundary. Yeah, no, I never. Um, you know, you're a footballer, you're on the pitch, and you know, it's almost. Well, it's very rare that something goes wrong for you. Um, regards anything like that, uh, you do get looked after. So, you know, never never really get sucked in at all. You've got all the qualifications. <coughs> You're still young. Why are you out of work? Um, personal circumstances at times. Um, obviously, I've had some job offers that have turned down. It's not been quite right. When you, I've been into one and was very successful. Um, what, two, ti- two league titles out of three? Yeah, and the cup was the one we didn't win, so that, that works out well. And then obviously uh, I went to Malaysia, that was uh, an experience that makes you better. In the meantime, you take your pro licences, the English and the AFC one. 
and then you're just looking for the right one because once you've, you've been in and out a couple of times, you need to make sure your next one's gives you a chance um, because you don't want to get the next one wrong because that could be history. So it's just trying to find the one that fits now, uh, but certainly hungry and, and desperate to get going again. As a first team manager. Yeah, I mean, or, or you know, it doesn't matter. Sometimes. You're close to Michael Appleton. Michael's very well rated. Yeah, Michael's been in for a few things recently and looked around. I'm sure it won't be long before he gets one. Um, but it doesn't matter. Just just not to stand still is my goal. You know, if it means to go in as someone's assistant or someone's first team coach, you know, involved is learning all the time. So, you know, even you come to these tours and you watch a couple of pre-season games, you're learning all the time. And that's what it's about. Do you reckon if um, I went into management with you, we'd make a good partnership? Well, you could handle the media, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do the media side of it, you do the football yeah. side of it. I'll do the rest. I remember it, but I found it quite interesting as a journalist to see how you were dealing with the media in India and the questions, because there were really soft questions coming to you. It's yeah, like, yeah. That's, a journalist shouldn't do that, they should ask you difficult questions. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was learning at the time, India, um, and they're always a bit... Um, you've got the hierarchy, and they see the white foreigner, if you like, and... They're not quite sure what they're allowed to ask, so they always go a little bit easy on you. Um, obviously, not like like the Premier League. I mean, the press conferences in the Premier League are so extensive and intense. You never know what's coming. And your old mate Sean Dyche, just near the end now. You still keep in touch with him? Yeah, he uh, played with him at Northampton. We still have a tie to Northampton family there. So every time I go to Northampton, I, I hook up with Sean Dyche. I actually had a couple of texts off him today, actually, just asking his opinion on uh, Patrick Bamford because he had him at Burnley. So right. just little things like that, anything you come across, I knew I was doing the game. So he knew, he knew you were out here? Yeah, yeah. straight away, and he, he always gives me the respect to, to reply. He's a good lad. Uh, you know, obviously proven top English manager and uh, and done a fantastic job at Burnley, you have to say. To, to keep them in the Premier League every year on year is, is a magnificent achievement because obviously we're all aware that Burnley's budgets aren't that competitive but he does a great job and it's you know, it's a town not the most fashionable town in the world of 88,000 people it's amazing that Burnley are where they are no it's fantastic and he was telling me the story about the, the pub the, the the Lord Dyche or whatever it's called and uh, I think he's got a reputation for being a hard pub and he got invited to go I'm not sure if he's been or not but he knew the story that the landlady was telling him that uh, someone went in there and on the horse and ordered a pint so on a horse, he said. <laughs> actually, rode in the place on a horse and didn't get off and order the pint. <laughs> you, you reckon you two as centre half could handle yourselves against? Well, in that le- at that level. Yeah, I mean, he was. Well, he, you you he, had to fear some reputation. Yeah, and, and he did as well. He, he was a tough centre half, Chesterfield, Millwall, and no holds barred, and the old Ronson, if you like, does what it says on the tin. You know what I mean? <laughs> Gets the job done. If you were a Manchester United fan going into this season now, how would you feel about it? Would you be optimistic? When you consider that the end of last season was absolutely terrible, this isn't normal. If I would have spoken to you on past visits to Australia, you would be expecting Manchester United to win the league, and if not, second would be classed as a failure. We're not at that point now. No, um, but I think... You know, they're, they're getting back to being that fast, entertaining brand of Man United is, is the method at the minute. That's the uh, idea. That's yeah, the that's for sure. 
they've got good young players coming through that obviously will take a bit of time. They won't be the, the answer right now, but they're obviously going to improve and impact the season. Um, and and they, they, they're in a bit of a transition period, which everybody knows, but it's certainly been encouraging from what's been going on this pre-season. They've got plenty of options in attack. They've still got a few bits of business probably to do in the transfer market. And uh, once they get going, you know, you have to say that you think the coaching team and, and looking have got the capabilities to sort things out. And they're doing all the right stuff. So you're pretty optimistic? Optimistic for sure, but obviously but the, expect yeah, the expectation is going to be high, isn't it? Because it's Manchester United. And they're going to require a little bit of time to get everybody oiled and ready to where they want to be. And they... You know, I'm sure they'll, they'll need a little bit of patience of fans, but that's not to say it's not going to be a successful season. But they have to understand that they are turning things around and changing things for the better. Um, but it's encouraging science and everything, everything's been done the correct way at the minute, for sure. And finally, if Paul Pogba does go, there's a massive void there. Even, even though, I mean, Brian Robson's sat near us now. Pogba's not been anywhere near as consistent as, as Robson was. He's a hugely gifted player. You touched on it before when he came on the pitch against Perth Glory. He was the best player on the pitch by by, by a good way. Um, but if he uh, if he if he goes, that's a loss. Well, it, it's a loss because obviously um, he's one of the you know he. he, he in most people's world 11s he's a top player um, and they're hard to replace because they're, they're hard to find the, the, the top so he's an 100 million pound player um, just needs to be more consistent yeah but he's good enough for sure Ash has not been as good as people hoped he would be or is that that because of the no, there's been many situations yeah. obviously good players need managing in the right ways now the modern player if you like you know everyone's got opinions and whatnot. Um, so I'm sure if he does go, that they've got players to come in. Um, you know, they, they, nothing's done or no stones left unturned at this club, and whatever happens will be done for the right reasons, and, and they'll have it organised in the Reds what they want to do. Thank you for your time, Ash. You're living in Sydney now. Yeah, mate. Sunny so you, gr you grew up in Lee, and you're now living in Sydney. Yeah, it's, uh, it's more than. Uh, a par five from uh, from Lee with the old uh, one wood, but nice place. But still, plenty of travelling. India a lot, England a lot. Do you do TV for India? You well known in India? Yeah, I do all right in India. Just, just work for uh, Sony TV on the Champions League, La Liga, Serie A. So again, gets a chance to watch football, chance to learn, and then obviously uh, travel to England a lot as well. So plenty of flying. Predictions: Who's going to win the Premier League this year? Uh, well, Man United fans won't like this, but uh, it's, it's got to be Man City for me. It doesn't have to be Man City, fucking anybody. I, I, I just think they're good, mate. I just well, think they're very they're good, good options. Well, they're up there, for sure. Champions League. Champions League. Uh, I'll go Barcelona or Juventus. Europa League. Europa League, Man United. Yeah? Yeah. Why not? I enjoyed it last time and the trip to different places. So I won't mind a few this year. You know, you can play in Barcelona again. This year they can play Espanyol. We're also in the Europa League. Yeah, they'll be forward uh, to the draw there. They'll be uh, looking forward to that for sure. Thanks for your time, Ash, and good luck. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate.